0: I've just arrived at one of the most beautiful hotels in the New Forest, called The Pig, and run by Robin Hudson, one of the most successful hoteliers in the country. I'm lucky enough to have stayed here before, but feel a little different today because I'm an interviewer rather than a guest. I can't wait to have a nose around the kitchen gardens again and soak up the smell of the fresh herbs. Here's hoping I might time the end of this interview with lunch. I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. I'm the founder of Not on the High Street and Holly & Co, and I'm the UK ambassador of creative small businesses. I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy fulfilled life and my dream is to help everybody start theirs. So I've reached out to all my favorite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs and those who just simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor, NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration.
1: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown
0: Wow, what a heavenly start to the day this is for me. I'm in my most favourite hotel, nested on the gorgeous velvet sofa in front of a log-burning fire with delicious mocktail from the bar in hand, sitting with the genius founder behind it all, Robin Hudson. But I'd love to start a little bit with your backstory, if we may. I read that you didn't receive a single O-Level and that you weren't invited back into sixth form. Is this right?
1: Um, Almost true. Um, uh, I'm quite proud of the three that I did manage to achieve. Okay, you got
0: three. Okay, this is good.
1: (laughs) Um, Indeed, I was not invited to attend the sixth form, uh, and yeah, that was uh, it. Was probably uh, one of the low moments, but perhaps um, a really important moment for me in terms of defining what happened next, really.
0: You always had a passion for being in the kitchen. So you started out on a course in hotel and catering operations, which is sort of where your entrepreneurial journey began. We call it finding your diamond at Holly & Co., finding that thing that you're most passionate about. What was this time like if you look back at it? And I can imagine it was a huge amount of hard graft.
1: Yes, my mother really that, that suggested that I might like to follow uh, cooking and hospitality on the basis that I liked messing around in the kitchen with her really at home. Uh, she was a good home cook and uh, as was her mother. Um, but really the moment I suppose was that I got taken on by the Savoy Company in London uh, as a management trainee. So my first job was as a waiter at Claridge's. So um, when I say waiter... I ran around with a great big tray and and generally <laughs> dropped things, but you know, I mean, that was that was uh, yeah, a, a waiter at Claridge's for six months.
0: I do think starting out in the hospitality industry is a brilliant training. Ground for life. It teaches you so many valuable life skills. A fantastic training for young people to develop their skills and confidence. The young people who I've met with this background really do have a different air about them. I'd also say something like the film industry. You know, there's a there's a toughness to it all. You know, and it's full on. Um, So after graduating, as you said from Catering College, you then went on to join a five star London hotel, Claridges, and at 23, you became the youngest ever reception manager at the Barclay. I heard you had Dustin Hoffman's number on speed dial. What was this time like in your life?
1: (laughs) Well the the Savoy training scheme moved you around from one department to another every six months and so you gain a lot of knowledge but as you indicated I think a lot of personal skills that you don't actually realise you're picking up. And uh, it really was traditional hotel, actually the last really, I think it was the uh, the very last um, bastion of, of traditional hotel-keeping. And so you really kind of learnt it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I enjoyed it. And when you enjoy something, you you tend to excel. And and I was never scared of the hard work, to be fair. Um, uh, and it was brutal. So, uh, yeah, hard yards to, to start mm-hmm. with. But then I ended up in this dream job as reception manager at the Barclay. And the guest list at the Barclays, I you cannot, indicate,
0: I can only imagine,
1: was just extraordinary. And you know, I'm a South London boy with a very, you know, kind of ordinary. Um, I'd never met film stars or, you know, heads of state. I mean, within a month of, uh, of being at Claridge's, you know, I was serving a, a state banquet, the Queen and the Prime Minister, and you know, I mean,
0: <laughs> and Dustin Hoffman's number.
1: Yeah, so it got really fun at at the Barclay because, of course, you were quite a popular kind of individual with these people because, actually, you held the power to be able to give them their favourite suite or or whatever. And some days it would just be like a who's who walking through the door. You'd be just saying goodbye to the Aga Khan and and Peter Ustinov walk through the door and Dinah Ross is expected on the next plane and Dustin Hoffman (laughs) is coming down the stairs. I mean, it was just... and um yeah, Justin Hoffman would 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 ring up personally uh, because you know he wanted to ensure that he got his yeah, you know, the the suite he It was God, great fun. What great fun. fun.
0: And then after several years managing other prestigious hotels, you decided to start <clears throat> your first business, Hotel de Vin, and it was started in nineteen ninety-four. And you and your wife Judy put your house up as a guarantee to fund the business, and it ended up being hugely successful. What was the concept behind Hotel de And can you tell us a little bit about how you got from that? Right, I've got Dustin Hoffman. He's got his own suite. Oh, hang on a minute. I'm going to start my own hotel.
1: Yeah, there were a good few years yeah. in between.
0: <laughs> yes, I didn't think it was. Um,
1: uh, we um, I stayed at the Barclay, I think, five years. And uh, I'd met my wife, Judy, and I was offered, actually... Uh, a contact through the Barclay, really. I was offered the uh, a, a plum job of general manager of uh, Tuttle Glen, not far from here uh, in the New Forest. And it was during the time, so this was eighty six to ninety four, that I was there. Um, and that was there was a wind of change in hospitality. Uh, so it was the very first sort of modern British food as we we now know it, really but in these days this was just the start so in london you know conran was opening the first of his restaurants mm-hmm. you know place, places like quaglinos and Mezzo and anthony warra thompson with 190 queensgate and so on. and but this was a very new thing and it certainly hadn't hadn't stretched to the provinces meanwhile i was general manager of quite a formal country house hotel and I found myself upholding uh, rules, regulations, and a regime dictated by the owners that I didn't really believe in anymore. So, uh, you know, the jacket and tie, the no kids, the no dogs, the, you know, there seemed to be a rule for everything. And it felt like we were slipping behind the times, I suppose. And equally, in uh, you know, outside of London, the mid-market was... It was dominated by rather tired, crusty old sort of coaching inns that, that were in every provincial mm-hmm. town, or these super expensive, kind of Michelin-starred, um, rather formal country house hotels. So I had made the decision to, in my head that I was going to start my own business, and I was going to try and capture a little bit of that. My sommelier at June uh, Glen, Gerard Basset, who sadly died last year, um, but... He was a. He became best sommelier in the world, and so on. Wow! And we went to a wine tasting one day. We ended up in one of the very first gastropubs in London called the Lansdowne, and the sort of combination of this this relaxed gastropub that was starting to serve you know some modern modern food, if you like. And on the way back on the train with with Gerard, uh, I said to him, you know, I've been thinking about doing my own thing and. What about we do something with wine? What about a what about a townhouse hotel with a wine school? And and very quickly we scribbled on the outside of the notes we were making on it hotel du uh, So we we set about um, putting a plan together, and of course we, we had no money. Uh, so uh, we uh, set, you know I, I eventually wrote a business plan, a pretty half-assed business plan. If the truth <laughs> is known, you could have driven a truck through it, but. Um, but anyway, and then started uh, ringing up everyone I knew uh, that I thought had more than two and sixpence in their pocket, and and seeing if they wanted to invest in this business. Um,
0: and what was the reception like?
1: Well, you kiss a lot of frogs, don't you? You know, I mean, you you, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many. Presentations is a gr- is a grand word for, for for what was going on, but you know I would of course I was still working at and Glen, so this was done in evenings and weekends yep. and all of that jazz. Anyway, over the course of uh, of uh, I suppose six months, I gathered a raft of investors. I think there were 14, and we raised half a million quid at the time. So so um, uh, and then we topped it up. The, v- the very last we didn't have any working capital at all. So. Uh, we didn't have any money to buy wine for the cellar.
0: That little uh, thing.
1: Yeah. It was Being quiet. called Hotel de Van, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a schoolboy <laughs> era, that one. But, so we came up with this wheeze of getting wine companies to sponsor our bedrooms. We had the, Gosh, you know, remember that. The Courvoisier room and the Verve Clique room, and they gave us some money. Genius. And that gave us another 60 grand to be our... Uh, that was our... Your working, kitty for the wine. Yeah, exactly, and... Uh,
0: How fantastic. And what was Judy thinking during all of this?
1: Well, our whole business adventure would never have started if Judy hadn't had the faith. Um, We put the house up as as a guarantor, probably fairly foolishly, but anyway, uh, we got away with it. Did what you had
0: to do? We talk about it quite a bit, you know, small businesses, you know, and I say, you know, you've got to do whatever you feel um, you can do that you're comfortable with. But, you know, the more uncomfortable slightly it is, you know, the the more risk you're taking, but then the more reward you might yeah. get, you know. So this idea, not, it's not for everyone to put your house on, um, on <laughs> the line. But, you know, I've been there a few times. You know, when you know you've got to do something, you're it, in.
1: It, it couldn't be allowed to fail, if you know what I mean. So, I know so, exactly what you mean. And so you just did everything. I mean, Gerard and I were... We were absolutely working every hour of the day, of course. You know, it's a 24-hour business, 365 days a year. You
0: did everything yourself, didn't you? We did you? everything you, ourselves. You, you, and
1: we, he and I used to take turns sleeping on the sofa in the in the lounge because we couldn't afford a night porter. It's unsustainable, of course, but, but that's what we did to start with.
0: And actually then, I mean, it was exhausting, but you were profitable in your first year.
1: We were. Uh,
0: Pro- maybe because you did everything.
1: Yeah, but anyway, we got through. We got through the first year, and we had a bit of cash in the bank. Yeah,
0: and and it was you know let's it's it's funny, isn't it? You look at these things now, but this was revolutionary. You know, when you launched this hotel, and I read that what made the hotels unique, you had. For instance, fresh milk in the minibar and you serve decent ground coffee, which sounds just incredibly normal nowadays, but this was not normal. So I'm noticing that you have this sort of strong sense for trends, if you put it, I mean, I hate that word, but offering something a little different, more unique, a little bit more special. And then after 10 years of doing this and and having that nose and obviously you scaled, um, your business partner and yourself sold the business am i right for an incredible 66 million which is an astounding achievement and not bad for someone with three o levels <laughs>
1: it's about 20 million on o level <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean it makes you realize what proper hard work and risk taking now of course it could have all gone yeah. the other way you yeah, know but uh, it didn't
1: um, no no uh, uh, you know you need a bit of luck as well and and we we certainly had a few things that went our way and There were a couple of, in the very early days of Hotel Duvan, uh, in in Winchester, we're located just adjacent to the law courts and we had a couple of very high profile trials and we had all of the journalists uh, staying with us and I was even renting out the car park to, you know, kind of uh, outside broadcast vehicles and all this sort of jazz, you know, just to maximise. Uh. And then we had, uh, there was a really, really well-known um, journalist, food journalist um, called Jonathan Meads, who really, pre-AA a. Gill and, uh, and, and, and others, he wrote for the Saturday Times magazine. Uh, and uh, you still see him, I don't know if you know him, but he's, he's, he does some uh, very strange um programs on architecture and culture and, and so on uh, i mean he's a really super bright guy anyway he came to see us in within about a month of uh, of opening and he completely got it and he didn't go over the top he didn't give us nine out of ten and it was scored in, in mm-hmm. that way he gave us six out of ten but actually, glowed about what we were what we were trying to do. What were
0: was striving to create. Yeah, and it,
1: because it was so new, and yeah. he knew the landscape so well, the context was just genius. And of course, once you get someone like that who's who's actually you know really really got it, then others follow. And uh, so we, we had a it was the beginning of of a, a long relationship with the press that still endures now.
0: Which brings us on to your truly wonderful latest venture, the Pig Hotels. And honestly, my favourite, favourite, um, why I was making you blush earlier, place to stay in the UK. And I was lucky enough to meet um, you once. You won't remember, but I was staying on the Pig on the Beach, which is your hotel in Studland, Dorset, which is literally on the beach, hence the Pig on the Beach. And I knew then you were someone truly special and you were doing something very exciting can you tell us what led you to founding the pig and where that idea came from
1: yeah the uh, the pig story i guess um starts with i had been a non-exec director with soho house and uh nick jones who's one of my best mates in the business um uh who incidentally i don't think he has any o-levels either as, as it happens but anyway um he asked me to become chairman of of, of Soho House, um, so I was doing that. I then, with Nick, we kind of, well, I sold myself out of a job, really, because we refunded and, and we took uh, Richard Caring uh, on board as uh, as the majority shareholder. So my time with Soho House was sort of coming to, to an end, and I received a call from uh, one, uh, Jim Ratcliffe, who had... Bought and was three quarters the way through a um, a project that's now known as Limewood. We got Limewood open um, in uh, it's just ten year anniversary, so in in, in two thousand and nine. Uh, and I was looking at the rest of the portfolio to sort of tidy up. There were a couple of restaurants and one, one or two things that that were uh, that came with the Limewood uh, portfolio. So uh, Jim had asked me to. Try to sort all, all this out, and there was a little hotel there called Whitley Ridge Hotel, uh, which is where we're sitting now. It was really tired. Uh, it had about sixteen rooms, I think, at the time, and so I had it valued to sell it. You know, because I just thought, oh, just let's get rid of this. Let's concentrate on limewood and 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 so on. Anyway, it was valued so low and. Uh, so I came here and I looked around at it and I wandered into the kitchen garden and it was just kind of in the back of my mind. I thought, this, you know, what a shame, you know, there's this lovely kitchen garden and uh, nothing going on there and and then you start to look into these things and you realise there's uh, there are barely any kitchen gardens that are fully functional these days. Um, I looked at this space and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if if we could do a hotel that where you brought the kitchen garden absolutely to the fore and it started to inform the way you operated uh, from everything from uh, what went on the menu to to mm. actually start to give clues to the interiors and, and, and so on. So we put a little plan together. I said to Jim that uh, together with the management team, we're by half, you keep half, and let's see if we can make a go of it. And whilst I had, you know, had some success with... With um, uh, town center hotels with hotel divan we we hadn't tried anything like this uh, in the countryside and Of course, when you're looking at these projects you you're you know you're counting the chimney pots around you and you're thinking uh, you know is this a really great idea I'm in the <laughs> middle of a national park and you know are there going to be a few punters around here that that, that, that you know would like to anyway we fortunately we opened the doors and we cranked up the PR a little bit and um using those age-old contacts from from Hotel Vandes, uh, and um we opened in summer of 2011 and yeah it went pretty nuts from day one really um.
0: it did I think it's what I love most about coming to stay at the pig is that it feels extremely special and such a treat with attention to detail that is exceptional but also at the same time um, you feel so at home but you know that that homely feel has been done exactly on purpose so that you feel that way. How to partner with NatWest they support small businesses in so many ways just one of these ways is through Backer Business this program will match fund up to a million pounds a year creating hundreds of successful applicants when they crowdfund through Backer Business listen to the end of this podcast to find out more With a continued commitment to small businesses, NatWest, in a world first, give away the rest of this ad break space to small businesses and independents. They truly believe in the power of small and want to give you the opportunity to showcase your business to hundreds of thousands of listeners. So without further ado, let me hand over to this week's NatWest Independent Ad Break winner.
2: Hello. I'm Nicola Rowlands, and I'm on a mission to take down single-use greeting cards. I'm tired of throwing away cards after birthdays and special occasions that say happy birthday, or worse yet, come covered in plastic or wasteful glitter. My collection contains messages such as, you're doing a really great job, or look at you go. Cards that not only work for all occasions, but can be instantly framed and used as artwork to be admired forever. In this digital world, we crave human connection. We desperately need real tangible reminders of relationships. I'm also on a mission to make Mother's Day as big of a card sending holiday as Christmas. Let's send cards to all the mums in our world, not just our own. Let them know they're seen, appreciated and loved. My cards are eco-friendly because I care. Choose a couple of designs or why not have a yearly subscription so you're never at a loose end. Sending messages is my passion and I feel receiving posts through the door can really, really make someone's day. See my whole collection of cards and beautiful, unique gifts that will fill your heart with colour and love. I'm Nicola Rowlands, designer and message sender, based in Manchester, mum to two and big fan of this podcast. Support small businesses, people who want to make this wonderful planet better.
0: If you'd like to take NatWest up on their generosity and be listened to by thousands of people, take the leap of faith and send in your small business advert to independentadbreaks at holly.co. We're looking for wonderful stories that only small businesses have and have created more information on exactly what we're looking for on our website holly.co. You know, going through your story so far and we're going to keep going, you know, those contacts that you've made along the way in your journey have been, I would say, imperative, correct, to your success?
1: uh, Without a shadow of doubt. Every interaction in and out of one of your businesses is, that's your marketing platform. And you, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether it's the delivery boy, you know, we should be treating him in the same hospitable, generous way that we would treat a guest checking into to a bedroom because these interactions and it doesn't matter whether it's with suppliers or you value and you you nurture those and we're incredibly loyal to a lot of our suppliers and our advisors and people around us I mean you know those kind of contacts you know I think you have to value them there's no doubt about it.
0: We we um we do posts every day on Instagram and one of our most liked posts is make friends, not contacts, because I firmly believe that you can be mistaken to thinking that people do just supply you, as, as you said, or these relationships that you have within your business. But ultimately, you know, nurturing these relationships, understanding that actually part of choosing a supplier, part of having a bank manager, part of all these things is i would I would like to form a long term relationship now, is this someone I want to form a long term relationship yeah. with and judging them just as much as on price so yeah. you know they might not be the cheapest, but actually that mid term thing you can grow a strong relationship with which then, when the shit is hitting the fan and you need some credit or you need someone to help promote you know your next business and maybe you know know that you're not going to be able to pay for a little bit but they're going to be able to support you. These are things you cannot buy.
1: No, 100%. I'm so with you on that. I mean, we, we rarely make our buying decisions on price. It doesn't matter whether it's, it's, the, it's a wine supplier or it's a building contractor or whoever, but we, you know, it's super, super, we're super loyal and we value those relationships without a doubt.
0: Tell me who's behind the interior design because it's ridiculously, crazily beautiful.
1: Judy, my wife, who I briefly mentioned earlier, um, she takes on the uh, the mantle for this one. Um, to be fair, we we spend a lot of our life doing this stuff together. We don't go on holiday and walk through a town without sticking our head in an antique shop or a you know a fabric designer or whatever. You know, it just happens. It's part of part of our life. But she she brings uh, brings the whole thing into into a coherent uh, uh, scheme. Uh, she's not a trained interior designer. Uh, she started uh, her her uh, trained uh, career was not, uh, an occupational therapist, and she really started at uh, Hotel de Van really out of necessity. We couldn't really infor- afford yes. an interior designer, and so. You know, we start while you're doing
0: the porting. Yeah, she, she's she's yeah, finding she's the curtains.
1: Choosing the curtains, yeah. And of course we over the years gained a little more confidence in, in that area and um, we know what works now and you know, we tweak it all the time. We try we try very hard, now that we have more than one pig, that they they're not some sort of cookie cutter rollout mm, approach. They're we not, tr- no. We try hard to, to pick up the clues from the architecture of the building. Uh, but yeah, it 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 takes a lot of time and commitment to do that. Mm.
0: One of the things that I feel I call them the good life companies, and when you look at your life and that you go on holiday, and that uh, actually part of that is well, what's work and what's not work? You walk into an antique shop, you see that oh yes, you talk to Judy, you get excited about it. That's could work. This could work. This combination, you know, it is a life that it's, you happen to work and play within.
1: It's a complete. I mean, you can't. If you're truly passionate about this uh, business uh, of hospitality, you can't divorce the two things. I mean that you know you are, you're in it, and as I say, it's three sixty-five days a, a year, twenty-four hours. A, I mean, for the last however long, thirty years, um, you know, I sleep with one ear open to the phone, so that any general manager. Uh, even though now there are tiers of ops directors and all sorts of people we employ uh, heading towards a thousand people now and and so on but I still you know any of those guys and girls can um, can call me at any time you know that's the sort of level of of commitment and I'm just as happy for them to call me uh, about something relatively minor if it if it means a good ending to a a story rather than a bad one so
0: I wrote something about coming here in the summertime and I just want to read it out just for anyone who hasn't been here Opening the big doors and being warmly greeted you step into this grand old house with a huge row of colourful wellies for you to borrow in every size to stomp the kitchen grounds in many rooms stemming off the entrance all to sit in and relax in with the log fires, velvet sofas, newspapers, cookies, games. The greenhouse style dining room has my most favourite colourful Moroccan tiles with plants climbing up every wall, pots of herbs on every table. And that's when you set your eyes on the bar, the bar of dreams. This being mahogany with a the theatre of barmen making you any cocktail you wish in front of a backdrop of colourful vintage glassware. I mean, totally obsessed with this. Homemade cordials and spirits. It's basically heaven and you can very much drink too much. Um... And that's before you get into the rooms and have a nose around the gardens and don't get me started um, on the parasols. Because um, being a product girl, I know that there's only shit parasols out there and your parasols are gorgeously vintage and colourful. And I just wanted to say that because that is every experience I get here. And, And we were talking before, it's you know, you now have six different pig hotels: the New Forest, Bath, Devon, Southampton, Canterbury, and Dorset, with two more opening this year in Cornwall and Arundel?
2: Yeah.
0: How do you keep your brand consistent, but yet, as you say, different? Because I know from experience it doesn't feel like a cookie cookie-cutter sort of experience, and yet I always feel at home
1: um yes i mean i suppose on the on the style side so we perhaps we we'll talk about the operational side in a moment but the, on on the style side we use an awful lot of found pieces you know so we try to limit the amount of new furnishings that we we buy i mean apart from giving a more interesting look you know of course it's the ultimate uh, s- sustainability factor so but actually, using it in a way that that feels reasonably contemporary, I suppose. Um, the real the real objective with 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 the interiors is that in your own home, you don't buy everything all at once. Mm-hmm. You know, your home's evolved, don't they? So you buy a lamp one year and a table the next year, and, and so on. So, and then you put those things together. They they haven't come off a uh, an interior design graduate's desk you know that that and so we really want it to look as if it's an evolved mm-hmm. uh environment where pieces have been found and each one has a story we know the stories to all of these things you know everything you can see here uh <coughs> with a bit of scratching on the head i can tell you where we, where it was bought and so on and so forth so i think you feel it you know i think well, you, you do you yeah know. And it's it, so it's it's sort of anti design really.
0: And tell me from that um, you're opening two new places this year, so it must be an incredibly busy time for you. What stages are you now with getting them ready for opening? And I heard on the grapevine, and is this right, that you actually sleep in rooms to see if they're right? Of course, <laughs> it, you do. I mean, I just, this is where we were, you went on to my godlike status, that moment I yeah. heard, you know.
1: So we're three months away from opening uh, Cornwall at the moment. Um, you know, we absolutely immerse ourselves, Judy and I absolutely immerse ourselves in, in, in the trenches. We'll be going down with. There'll be all sorts of things in the back of the car, you know, that will, will I don't know, light fittings or yeah. whatever. I mean, it's <laughs> super hands-on, you know, we might have a thousand staff, but, you know.
0: You're still doing uh, the light bulbs, practically. I, I am.
1: <laughs> I am doing the light bulbs. Uh, so for the run-up, you know, hopefully the rooms are usable for about a month before we, or at okay. least some of them are. It's only by using them. That we can really find out what they're like.
0: I just, I love that you know, and again, it's it goes back to why this brand is the way it is, and and maybe for people listening, building brands, you know, wherever you get to on that journey, you're still sleeping in the bedrooms, you know, you're 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 still that person who I need to know that it's okay. Anyone can tell me it's okay, but I need to yeah. know. You. I'm putting my name on this. We've teamed up with our friends at three and all year we'll be working together to make dreams come true. Share your dreams on social using hashtag Holly and Co Dreamer and who knows what will come true. With a three means business plan, I love that you can get up to £500 worth of benefits from their partners to help give your business a lift in those early days. Now over to a short story about those that dreamed big and flew. When Anita Roddick opened the body shop in 1976, she didn't expect to get rich. She just hoped to survive. With a very young family and very little money, she managed to obtain a small loan and worked with a local herbalist to create her all-natural cosmetics. Everything was done on a shoestring budget, so much so she painted the shop green to camouflage the mould on the walls, which became the brand's key colour. Far ahead of her time, Anita offered discounted refills to customers who bought back their empty containers, using minimal packaging to keep costs as low as possible. By 2004, the body shop served 77 million customers, with its 1,980 outlets all over the world. Tragically, Anita passed away at the age of 64, having just sold her business to L'Oreal. She left her entire estate worth £51 million to charity. Anita was a true pioneering entrepreneur, using her business as a complete force for good. Famously sharing, if you think you're too small to have an impact, try going to bed with a mosquito. Don't forget to share your own business dream using hashtag Holly and Co Dreamer. To discover more about business plans, search 3 Means Business. Um, what I would say, another jewel in your businesses and your team. The friendliness, the extra attention to detail. And as you were saying, you're now soon to be a thousand people, which is, you know, you think about a thousand people, but thousands of businesses listening. um, I know that finding that right person to help them grow is the terrifying bit. And, you know, basically, if it fucks up, you're really in trouble because it can, you and I both know what a bad apple in the cart does to an organisation. Could you share any tips and advice?
1: Yeah I think it's a particularly sort of acute problem for for hospitality businesses because um, you have a relatively um, high turnover of staff at the the junior level certainly. Um, Some people are just passing through you know and and, uh, on on route to do something else. Uh, So there is a high turnover and for any any visit by a guest, you know, there's thousands of interactions between between the the the, the guest uh, and the staff member. So you can't legislate for all of those. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can you can give them the basics of training. You can create a culture by example of how we want people to be treated. Uh, but you cannot legislate for every every one of those little interactions. and and, and some of them are really. Tani, I always give the example of if a waiter or waitress puts a cup on the table and puts it down with a few grams too much pressure, that says quite a lot. Whereas if it's mm-hmm. put down like that, then then mm-hmm. you know it's a mm-hmm. perfect piece of service. And so that sort of stuff, you know, it's so finite, and and it's this, and people, everyone's an expert these days, of course. You know, with, yeah, well,
0: like, especially where they have someone like TripAdvisor to exactly, talk about and it, and so
1: on. You know, so there's, you know, they, they've got a forum to many and,
0: sofa hoteliers, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely, but it's it's a really difficult, and you can't train that, so you have to rely on your gut. And those those are, you know, a lot of our senior team have been with me for quite a long time. Um, You have to rely on them to instinctively employ the right people. We don't care. We don't give a shit if they've got, you know, 10 years of experience or they haven't got any experience. But if they are people, people, and if they can connect with people, the chances are they deliver some quite nice service. So nice people give nice service.
0: It's an issue and I've I've always, as I said, um, really think about that hospitality industry, you know, in in the US where it is a career. And I know in in Europe as well, you know, it's a career, whereas here it's not. And how do you? So really you're looking at, well, the foundations of that person is what I'm looking at rather than anything else. I'm I'm looking at the fact that they want to be here. Am I right in thinking that you, I want to talk about the gardens, um, that you look at places with gardens or you look at that garden almost before the renovations start. Is it right that you've you've sort of worked the business around it in a way?
1: I mean it's it's a really really important part of, of the equation there's there's no doubt about that and so my son Ollie uh, my eldest son he is the kitchen garden guru he went to agricultural college and uh, started working with us by chance actually with the first pig but he's been been with us for the whole journey Mm. and he now has a team of about 22 kitchen gardeners I don't think there's another hotel uh, company that gives the commitment to that side of the business we have our own nursery where we grow the seedlings but Ollie is always badgering me when we when we find a new property that he wants his his team on site six months before you know to start preparing the the ground and he's absolutely right and we as you say we we open uh and we've got things growing what's it
0: like working in as as a family Uh,
1: it's i I think it's it works really well with with ollie because he's got kind of his own domain so he can hang Mm -hmm. his hat on that you know Mm -hmm. he's not trying to follow in uh you know dad or mum's footsteps exactly but it's really nice to have him around.
0: And you were just mentioned there tell me about how you're moving I want to talk about the sort of the future but you have this brand now where this Christmas I got the the pig um, latest book um, you have um, smoked and uncut festivals where it's sort of food and music festivals it's a genius idea that you know, now hotel brands are not, you know, well, not all of them. I'm just saying that this idea that you're now I've fallen in love with this brand, I stay here, I feel relaxed, I've given it the sort of emotion of having a lovely time with my husband or I've, you know, and now I want to buy into the brand. Do you see this now being very much part of your future? and And just generally out there, do you see that we're going to see this idea where, Brands that you wouldn't necessarily equate to then having a product range will start to or will start to create experience because it's all about what we do nowadays, isn't it? And luckily you're in the hotel industry, so that is something, you know, you're you're ahead of the curve. So you, we're already doing something, but now we're able to buy.
1: Yeah. Um, once guests trust uh, a brand, there's no doubt that, you know, they, they will buy other things uh, from you. I never want it to feel contrived in any way where you know everything is overly branded uh, yeah. you know the the public are really savvy these days and they you know they see through that stuff so so where we do have brand extension I want it to be really genuine and part of what we do and have the same kind of passion that we put into the hotels so the the smokeland cup festivals really were born out of the fact that. In previous times, uh, country house hotels might do, I don't know, gourmet evenings or wine dinners or something like that to appeal to the to the local um, followers, if you like. I really thought that that had run its course and I didn't really want to go that, that route. So we came up with the idea of, of, of introducing music. So the first year, about six years ago that we did it, there was, you know, a bloke with a guitar and two men and his dog, and and, um, <laughs> and uh, which was all very nice, but but uh, anyway, of course, it quickly grew, and now we have three festivals, four thousand attendees each, uh, some pretty fancy headliners uh, these days. So um, you know, we do all the food operation ourselves, we, and and different to any other festival, it is. Uh, every member of staff that is working that festival comes from within the business so we're not reliant on um uh, mm. you know just a bunch of random uh, you know kind of hired for the day people uh, we can still deliver a, 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 an element of service for uh, for those attendees. So I think that's what kind of makes it a little bit different. Well
0: it's like a sort of family putting on a garden. Yeah it is. I'm it's, not it's saying, a, it's a no, little it bit is. bigger operation than that, like uh, putting some sausages on the barbecue, but it is that idea, isn't it? Tell me for anyone listening who has a dream of starting their own hotel or hospitality business. And by the way, I was one of these people. Um <laughs> And then I had my little deli for six months and then it didn't work out. And then I was not one of these people because I quite frankly don't know how you do it. Um, because anyone that's in hospitality, it's a 24 hour a day job. Um, what advice would you share and what do you think makes a successful hotel business and I know anyone listening is going to go, because you have to have a ton of cash to even start this. So let's not, you know, Holly, it's not just like, I'd like to start, you know, a monk-making business. Um, a hotel is pretty on the other scale of it. But for someone who does have that dream, that one day they want to invite people to stay in, the, in something that they've created, do you have any advice? Yeah,
1: I think, <clears throat> first and foremost, um, I think anyone should, uh, before they... Uh, they sink their own uh, cash and commitment into, into something, they should do some hard yards somewhere else. You know, they just need to, to feel it. Uh, and, and know for, if it's for them. Yeah, and, you know, uh, all too many individuals can kind of visualise themselves standing the, the customer side of the bar with their mates and, you know, kind of <laughs> all of that jazz. Um, you know, Feeling
0: it, like the lord of the castle. Yeah.
1: And uh, frankly, you know that's a very uh, small percentage of the time that you can, you can do that stuff. So I would say, yeah, do some hard yards. You know, learn, and and you know, absolutely um, sponge up any information that is out there. I mean, I always tell the, our trainees, look, it's not it's not difficult. Pick up any of the discarded newspapers at the weekend, and you've got. You know articles about travel. You've got articles about food. You've got articles about drink. You know, just just start reading. You know those weekend magazines and and so, and you start to get an understanding of of what's current, what's liked, what's what's not, how that how the press are viewing things. You know, you pick up all sorts of information, and so, I think all too many people, you know, have this. You know, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times. Oh, I like cooking dinner parties, so I thought I'd open a restaurant. I mean, what a (laughs) stupid idea, honestly. I mean, it's just not like that. Not like that, no. So, and if you don't like working 60 hours a week, then forget it, you know, because Mm -hmm. that's what it will be like Mm. uh, to start with.
0: It's an amazing thing. We had this we had this spell of time and it was because of the wrong location and demand. But also, the truth be told, it was that we had a deli and come bar and a little restaurant, and it was all supporting small businesses. But you know, my muscle, that muscle of you know, I'd been 24 hours a day online, yeah. um, but I hadn't been public facing. I hadn't been there. And we were open seven days a week, you know, seven till midnight, and you know, it was taking brutal. on 20 members of staff instantly. And um, I'd never experienced anything like it. And it was that fact that you always knew it was open. Yeah. There was always someone talking on behalf of you out there. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a really unique thing. So the respect level has gone off the charts <laughs> for anyone. You know, I, I suddenly become best friends with every waiter and waitress and bar tender, and, you know, because you do realise there is nothing quite like hospitality.
1: No I I think you're right I mean the flip side of those notes of caution perhaps are that it is the most uh wonderful creative sector if you've got an entrepreneurial nature yeah so I think it's you know it's the ultimate entrepreneurial uh, area but I always say about this business is you know it's 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 not complicated it's just about a million details you know and that's you know, yeah. I mean, every one of those details, I mean, choosing that cup rather than the brown one is not a very complicated thing to do, but it is important in the overall scheme, uh, scheme of things.
0: I end all interviews with the analogy that running your own business is like being on an epic roller coaster. If you were in your cart on the roller coaster, um, a piggy cart, I would say, tell me what your lowest low would have been on this journey.
1: You know, like everyone. I've made my fair share of cock-ups along the way. Um, So, uh, I mean, we talked about when I was reception manager at the Barclay, uh, within a few months of being in the job, um, I got properly scammed by a a, a Nigerian businessman who, you know, kind of left with leaving a very large bill and, you know, kind of took me to the cleaners, really. Uh, And it was on my watch. And fortunately, I had a... Understanding general manager at the time that sort of took one for the team really, and um, but it was a it was a big old lesson for me. And every day of the week, there's highs and lows. I mean, I've had several today. You know, so. so. <laughs>
0: The roller coaster so, is a daily occurrence.
1: Yeah, it's a daily occurrence, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, there's so many, as I said, there's so many interactions going on. You know, at this moment, there are thousands of interactions going on and mm-hmm. there's a good chance that the odd one's going to go wrong, so... Uh,
0: and on the flip side of that, a greatest high?
1: You know, I have a wonderful life and, and, and you know, I love this business. Um, and so I I have highs every day. Again, I mean, you know, just... Before coming in here this morning, we were discussing promoting a, a a young trainee to take on his first management role and so on. I mean that's a great buzz. I love that stuff um and we of course along the way we've we've got an armful of awards and bits and pieces and and so that's always it's always you know very pleasing to have some recognition.
0: And someone that you think um, has inspired you along the journey and potentially you could recommend to me to interview on this podcast?
1: <laughs> uh, my great friend who I mentioned before, Nick Jones at Soho House, is an extraordinary individual and if I think that I have a, a, an ounce of creativity then he's got a couple of kilos of it. So
0: mm. Thank you for your time today. I've I just can't quite believe I'm sitting with a pot of tea with you um, in your hotel sorry, it's only a pot
1: of tea we um, and one. you
0: know surrounded by the gloriousness that is um the pig and meeting you and knowing about this brand um it's just been really a career highlight so thank you so much for your well, time it's
1: very flattering but uh, thank you very much been, thank it's, you. Been, it's, been, it's been
0: fun thank you it's that time of the podcast now where i um am going to hand over to you i've asked you to prepare a letter to your younger self, and um, so I'm going to hand over.
1: So this is my letter to Rob, age 16 and three quarters. Dear Rob, so you've just got your O-level results, and let's face it, you've made a right horlicks of them, didn't you? I know you've had loads of fun over the past couple of years, chasing girls around, loafing about listening to rock music and generally trying to be cool but you were supposed to be doing some schoolwork at the same time. To be fair, it's not that you're stupid or lazy, you're just easily distracted by the fun stuff. Now, you haven't been invited into the sixth form, so what the hell are you going to do? Mum and Dad have suggested catering or hospitality on account of you liking cooking. Sounds a good idea. You never know, at some point in the future, the best chefs might become the rock stars of the day look, it's not a disaster, just a temporary setback. Eventually, this situation could even be the making of you. You know, there are lots of really successful people who started life a bit like this, and to be honest, when you look at many of them today, they seem to be the people really enjoying life. All too many more conventional careers appear to end in work boredom and a countdown to retirement. If you can find a path or a subject that you can be passionate about, you'll never feel you've worked a day in your life. Of course, you've made it hard for yourself. You're going to have to push yourself to work harder than everyone else, make the right decisions along the way and be alert to opportunities. So let's look at what you've got. In the junior school football team, you were described as a tenacious tackler. Now that's a really good trait. You're quite creative, you do have a can-do attitude and have been gifted with a certain easy-going charm that people warm to. So that comb- combination sounds like a pretty good start. What you really don't realise is by falling into the world of hospitality slightly by chance, you are entering the most amazing, exciting and dynamic industry that will suit you down to the ground. Now you definitely won't be bored, every day will be different, your work environment will be like a theatre, filled with fascinating people doing interesting things. You will meet musicians, film stars and heads of state. You will witness important events and see the best and worst of people. You will work alongside a cast of characters from all over the world and in a single minute converse with paupers and princes. But be warned... This will be a complete lifestyle, not just a nine-to-five job that you can forget about when you leave the office. It will be all-consuming and not for the work-shy or faint-hearted. During your working life, there will be huge changes in the way people eat, drink and entertain themselves. Everyone will travel more and the sector will overtake many others to become a powerful force in the UK and world economy. If you focus, use those skills of yours and be brave in your career decisions, you could find yourself at the vanguard of these changes. Furthermore, if you keep your eyes open and notice what's going on around you, you might be able to grasp some of the entrepreneurial opportunities that present themselves. You're going to have to balance all this hard work with your personal life. Your family are and will be important to you. You're going to need a very special and understanding wife. You will need not only her love, but also her unwavering support through this exciting life journey. I hope you'll be blessed with children. You'll be a natural dad, but you'll need to be careful not to be a workaholic absent father. You need to somehow juggle your work and family. You will want to be around to help your children develop their potential, but it won't always be easy. I hope these words are helpful, Rob. You know, I have a sneaking feeling it will work out okay in the end. Lots of love, Rob, age sixty-three and a quarter.
0: <laughs> so good. So 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 good. <laughs> I just, um, I just think I love how you took what he was—the younger you—and looked at everything that wasn't on a piece of paper from an exam result. And summarized those areas of your personality that have taken you here today. And so, thank you for a beautiful letter. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Before you go, here's a little more about Backer Business. Last year, NatWest's CEO, Alison Rose, wrote the Rose Review and discovered that if women launched and scaled businesses at the same rate as men, it would represent an untapped £250 billion opportunity for the UK economy. Isn't that unbelievable? So they created Backer Business, managed by Crowdfunder. This programme will match fund up to a million pounds a year, creating hundreds of successful applicants when they crowdfund through Backer Business. To find out more information, search NatWest Backer Business. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, if it has helped you along your own journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing this episode and podcast? Your support means the world and it really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love.
1: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown. You will find that all the things that I have said will come to when you are lying in your bed. And if you to come